Let's take our Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. We're introducing a new theme this year. You see it on the screen behind me, Christ at the center. Christ at the center. Uh, Colossians 1.18 is also on our first banner. Uh, we have four mission statements at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. And we take these four mission statements from our uh, church member covenant that is in our church constitution. Many people don't even know we have that. When we go through the starting point class, we talk about it a little bit. Uh, but our four mission statements are to exalt Christ, to advance the church, to nurture families, and to engage the world. But it all starts with lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, letting him be preeminent in our life. When Christ is at the center of our life, things are good. And when I am at the center of my life, things become very complicated and very frustrating. If you remember, Pastor CJ preached a message back in September called Me at the Center. Anybody remember that message? I'm curious if you remember that message Pastor CJ preached. It was a powerful message. And uh, uh, Pastor CJ and I had been talking about that message as we were praying about 2023. And uh, the more we talked, uh, the more I began to be burdened that I, I thought he had touched on something that we should revisit. And when you look at the book of Colossians as a whole, the book of Colossians as a whole is about lifting up Christ, making him central in our lives. This last year, we looked at the theme of abounding in hope. And many of us lose hope because we are at the center of our lives. When I'm at the center, uh, that is not how God intended it to be. God did not design us to be at the center of our lives. If you remember, Pastor CJ said in his message back in September, he said, people who struggle with suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts, have come to the correct conclusion, but the incorrect answer. Well, what's the correct conclusion they've come to? They have concluded that living life for myself is not worth it. It's a waste. It's worthless. Living life for myself is not worth it. That is correct. Where they go with it is incorrect. If they go to kill themselves and they commit suicide, then, of course, they've gone the wrong way. But if they will take the correct answer to that correct statement, life lived for self is not worth it, and then go to Jesus and recognize that Jesus at the center of my life is worth it, he does satisfy, he does fulfill, now we can have hope. Now we can experience healing. I won't re-preach Pastor CJ's message, okay? But I will encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's on our sermon archive page on YouTube, also on our podcast. I don't know if you even know we have a podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you do for podcasts, we're on there. But you can find that message. I would encourage you to listen to it again. Uh, he, made, he made the point that more people have, more military have died through suicide in the last 20 years than through war. The war that we have, the war that we're losing is in here and in here. It is within us. We are literally killing ourselves. And the devil is getting this, uh, this advantage when we fall pray to the idea that life is supposed to center around me. Now, this is hard for us as Christians because we live in America. We're American Christians, 
and we are Americanized. I shouldn't say it's hard for us as Christians. I should say it's hard for us as American Christians. And we're used to the, the inundation of me at the center thinking. And it is part of the American dream. It's part of the American way to just think so selfishly. We are the country of narcissists. It's a tough word. I got it. I'm not going to try to say it again. But people whose life uh, center around themselves. And much more than we would like to admit that thinking has crept into American Christian mindset as well. What's the answer to hopelessness? What's the answer to suffering, despair, depression, discouragement, anxiety, agitation? It's, it's central to who's at the center. I have dealt with this battle myself. I've had my own battle with anxiety, my own battle with discouragement and even depression. And in these moments where I have found myself in some depths, do you realize in those moments, it was me at the center? It always comes back to that. When Christ truly is preeminent, he lifts us up. He heals us. He calms us. He is so good. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We must push back against the secular ideology of our day, the humanistic thinking, the man-centered, really man-worship that we face today, and recognize we're not to succumb to society's preaching that we are to be gods of our own universe. We are to be preeminent. No, we need to yield to what the Bible says and let him in all things have the preeminence. We looked at 1 Peter last year. We looked at Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope uh, through the power. Uh, I, just, I just lost the verse. That is in us. Anyway, there, there, there's my John Barber version. All right. But we abound in hope. Why? Because I am at the center? No, no, no. We abound in hope because of the peace and joy and healing that he gives by being at the center of our lives. The Bible says in Colossians 1.18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I want to begin by asking us this morning, who is central in your life? We are all sinners saved by grace. We all reside in bodies of flesh, and it is just natural. It is human nature to be selfish. We're having baby dedication Sunday, Lord willing, next week. No one needs to teach those kids how to be selfish. They're born that way. Uh, it comes preloaded, preloaded software, you might say. Uh, it's just who we are. We, we think in terms of me, but with Christ in us, that can change. And if we're going to abound in hope, it must change. What we're planning to do, Lord willing, is to get into the book of Colossians and work through this book verse by verse. 
But I'm also burdened to continue through 2 Peter. 2 Peter comes right after 1 Peter. It's funny how that works. And uh, we went through 1 Peter uh, verse by verse, and I, I, I really believe that 2 Peter leaves, leads into this theme as Peter was encouraging them to abound in hope through the suffering. When he gets to 2 Peter, he helps to ground their hope fuller, uh, more fully in the knowledge of who Christ is. That first chapter, especially, of 2 Peter is such a grounding chapter. Christ must be central to everything you are and believe in order to keep abounding in hope. So I trust that last year's theme and this year's theme will really dovetail. As we are keeping him as the center, we continue to stay on the victory side, abounding in hope. So the plan, Lord willing, is this. We'll be looking at Colossians on Wednesday nights and 2 Peter on Sunday mornings, and there will be some interruptions for missionaries or special events and so forth. Uh, but we are going to look at these two in tandem. And I've asked Pastor CJ to tag team with me in Colossians uh, as I've been praying with him about this and uh, we've been looking at this together. Uh, I, I think it'd be, it's definitely on his heart. Colossians is a burden that God's laid on his heart. And so he and I will, will uh, tag team on Wednesday nights. And then on sec, uh, for Second Peter, I'll, I'll probably take that solo Sunday mornings. But I think that these two books will dovetail tremendously and help us as we focus on Christ being central in our life. Lord, help us as we look at this passage now and as we just uh, basically barely touch on it this morning and look at some, some other supporting texts. Lord, help us to, to ask the question, who is at the center of, of my life? And help us to be honest and help us, Lord, to this morning yield the throne to you. And I pray that we would see just how much we need for you to have the preeminence. Pray that you'd bless now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, to get a little bit of context here, uh, we're, we're going to back up to verse 15. I'm just jumping in. We're going to go back to verse 1 and work all the way through this verse by verse. So I'm not really uh, planning to uh, steal all of Pastor CJ's thunder here, but just basically touch on this this morning. The Bible says in verse 15, Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. Now, some stop there. Some people say, ah, see, he was firstborn. That means uh, he was not eternally existent as God. Uh, he, he, he was, there was a time when Jesus did not exist. Some will claim that. Uh, you have to understand that the word firstborn in the Bible is another word for the preeminent one. In fact, I'm skipping ahead in my notes a little bit, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, David, King David, is spoken of as the firstborn in the book of Psalms, Psalm 89. Uh, how many of you know that David was the lastborn? Okay, we are, we're all in agreement on that. All right, he was the guy who was going to get totally passed over, not even thought of by his father as the possible king. Uh, Samuel came to anoint the next king, and they didn't even have uh, the the idea to bring David in from the sheep. He was the little tyke. He was out there with the sheep. And yet he is referred to as the firstborn. Well, this is a term, a Bible term, that can mean literally the person who was born first, or it can mean the preeminent one. David, no doubt, 
was the preeminent one in his family. Therefore, you could call him the firstborn. Jesus is the preeminent one in the entire universe. And therefore, he's referred to as the firstborn of every creature. He is the preeminent one of all. For by him were all things created. So there you go. That does imply his eternal existence. Those two things are not standing uh, in op opposition to one another, that he was the firstborn of every creature and that he created all things. He was the preeminent one of every creature and he created all things. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him, but also all things were created for him. You know, we hear... Uh, a phrase, maybe in books or in movies, and someone says, oh, they were made for each other. And we, we know what that means, right? We know what people are trying to say. But technically, that's not correct. Technically, you were made for him. We were all made for him. You were created for him. You were not in any way made for you and your glory. You were made for the Lord Jesus. And because of that, we can only truly be happy and satisfied and fulfilled as we are focused on the Lord Jesus living his life, living for his glory. A life lived for self will not satisfy. It cannot satisfy because it wasn't created to work that way. You know, we can understand this. Some of you are engineers here and you build things and you make things. And uh, you make things to work a certain way. And if you're lucky, it actually works that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but, you know, you, you would, if you built something to do a certain thing and you see someone using it in a different way, you would say, hey, hey, don't be frustrated. This is not going to work. I built it to do this. It's not going to do that. No, 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 it'll work. It'll work. It'll work. Okay. <laughs> you're going to be frustrated. I'm the builder. I know what I built this for. And so it is with us. We were built for him to glorify him forever and that is where happiness and satisfaction are truly found and so many people are on a lifelong pursuit a wild goose chase of happiness that cannot be achieved because you weren't created to find happiness living for yourself all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist I love that. The scientists ought to perk up right there. How do the atoms stay together? There are certain forces that we don't understand, and there are things that still uh, people are pondering over to this day. By him, all things consist. You and I are in the hand of the Almighty. At any moment, he can change whatever he wants to change. We have... An, an incredible opportunity uh, to steward our lives for him and for his glory. Then we come to verse 18, our text and our theme verse. And he is the head of the body, the church, <clears throat> who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. 
How much must it displease the Father when we think that all fullness dwells in us? And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and the the text goes on, the point is he is by himself, he is the preeminent one. We're going to look at the rest of that text in more detail, but we'll stop there for now. Our theme is Christ in the center. I want to give you a few other texts as we get started here this morning that will hopefully counter our secularized American Christian thinking. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth, from the Lord. Cursed, it says. You know, America celebrates the self-made man, the guy who did it all himself and, and made something out of nothing and has come to that place of, of self-sustaining uh, power. And, and all of this is, is, look what I have done, look what I can do. The Lord says, hey, If your heart has departed from me, you're cursed. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Our society teaches our young people to follow their heart. If you want it how can it be bad love is love whatever that means Uh, you know in other words you make your own destiny you're the god of your universe follow your heart that's the disney theme song of every single disney movie it seems like he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool Proverbs 3, 5 says, On the other hand, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Your heart is to be inclined unto him. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Psalm 119. It is, it is our heart that is prone to wander. Our heart is desperately wicked above all things. It's deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And it's a foolish thing to trust our heart rather take your heart and lean into the lord trust him there are those of us who want to have the preeminence and uh and third john one of those individuals is is referred to specifically how'd you like to have your name inscripturated as a individual who wanted to share in the preeminence third john 1 9 I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. Ooh, ouch. But how many of our names could have been put in there? Who doesn't love to have the preeminence in their flesh? The truth is, we need to be walking in the Spirit. That's the whole point. Lest we fall into a similar situation In all things, he will have, might have the preeminence. 
Uh, back to Proverbs. Proverbs 16.25, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, folks, we just don't do a good job when we are at the center of our life. Many people get frustrated with their life because life is not going according to plan. This is not how it was supposed to play out. This is not where I was supposed to be at this spot. And we get so frustrated. There's a different way to look at life. There's a way to look at life and rejoice in what God is doing according to his plan and surrender to that plan and say, Lord, I want more of your plan. I don't want my plan. And if I'm frustrated because my plan's not working, well, today, I'm going to choose to be happy that my plan is not working so that I can get on track with whatever your plan is. Verse 18 again, Colossians 1. He is the head of the body of the church who was the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What does it mean to be preeminent? When you think of preeminence, I don't know about you, many things come to mind. I thought of prominent or primary. I thought of famous. Or how about outstanding, distinguished. Uh, you might think of the foremost. But if you just look up this word and look it up in the Greek, this word is the word prot protuo, which simply means to be first. To be first. That in all things, he might have the preeminence, means that in all things, he might be first. You know what? That helps me because sometimes you can say, let him have the preeminence. And someone says, that's good, but what, how do I do that? Take your day and put God first in everything that you do. Just the basic things. Well, isn't it what the Bible said in 1 Corinthians? Uh, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all the glory of God. You can put God first by getting up in the morning and the first thing you do, pray. I try to do that. Not like a long, hour-long prayer. When I wake up, I, I try to immediately thank the Lord for his mercies that are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. How many people have died in their sleep and never saw the next morning? I woke up and here it is. So we'll start with, thank you, Lord. And I, I like to open my window and, and, uh, and look outside. Uh, usually now it's dark, but <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I like to look outside. In the summertime, it's light. Uh, it's light in the morning, earlier. And, and I, I just like to, to, to thank the Lord. Put him first in your thoughts. Put him first in your day. And then, I don't know about you, but what I like to do to put the Lord first is I, is I like to get into my devotional time. I have a chair where I sit. My wife has a chair where she sits. The dog comes over and sits on her feet and warms up her feet, and that's what they do. And I have, I have my, my, uh, my time with my journal. She has her time with her journal, and then the kids start to get up, and they come out for the little snuggles, and they, they do their Bible time. And uh, then the, the day continues, right? Uh, but I, I, I like to start the day saying, Lord, you're first. And I'll tell you, I'm guilty. Many times I get up and I get distracted. And I'll look at my phone and I'll see this, 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 this. Oh, 
You know, there's a preacher friend of mine uh, who, who, what he does is he, he puts his phone, he, makes, he charges his phone in the living room. So he can't get to it in the morning. It's not in the bathroom. It's not in the hallway. It's in the living room. It's a long walk. And uh, I don't know, maybe I should try that. <laughs> it's just so easy to read some news, some horrible thing happened last night. Or my stock just fell to zero or, or whatever it is, you know. And then your day is automatically going a different direction. Put him first. To be preeminent simply means to be first. I like to work out. I like to exercise. I like to, to run. And, and I've told you, my, my dog and I, we, we do a run pretty much every day. Uh, but even in that, I want to put the Lord first. That's a, a long time I'm devoting to running and exercising, and I want to get more out of that time. And so I listen to a sermon. I listen to a podcast. I listen to the Bible being read to me. Various things, various days. But I'm trying to make the most of that time because I want the Lord to minister to my heart. And I want to set myself up for a day that is seeking Him. I don't know what's going to happen in a given day. I don't know what I'm going to face. But whatever it is, I want to face it with the Lord. I want to have met with Him have drawn close to him and face that with him in first place, with him at the center of my life. Is he first place in your thoughts? Is he first place in your plans? So many of us, we make all kinds of plans. And, and, and uh, the Bible says that we should be saying, if the Lord will, I'll do this or that. We make so many plans without even consulting him. Is he first place in your finances? I'm not just talking about your giving. I'm talking about your spending. Our spending can certainly indicate who is at the center. But our finances, and yes, it would include our giving, our priorities. First place, is he first place in your family? How do you make him first place in your family? Oh, there's all sorts of things. Family devotions or family altar would be a great place to start. Family prayer, praying at meals, uh, coming together, hearing from one another, asking your kids what's going on in their life, sharing testimonies, prayer requests, growing together, family worship, going to church, worshiping together, serving together, singing together, but putting him first in your family. Your family's schedule should reflect that he is first. So many of us have family schedules that are crazy. Hey, I know we're, we're busy, but that crazy schedule had better be screaming Jesus' first place. Jesus' first place. Oh, he is first place, unless we have this, 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 or this. Oh, he is first place, Lord, but then there's always... And, you know, we, we, we've got so much... Hey, you know, he's either first place or he's not. And we ought to look at those calendars, and we ought to begin to trim and sometimes recognize that our calendars become like magnets. And they just begin to attract all kinds of things that don't need to be on there. We're about to send our kids into a world 
that's ready to eat him alive with this me first thinking. And only a, a, a young person who has Christ at the center will be able to withstand. How did Daniel and his three friends make it through Babylon? Christ was grounded at the center of their lives. Is he first in your relationships? Or any relationship that is of God is a relationship that honors God. Is he first in your relationships? Is he first in your marriage? Is he first in your actions? I like simple things. I'm more of a simple preacher. And when I look at this word preeminent, it can be a little overwhelming, but when you break it down to, to be first, well, that's simple. I can count. And I can at least get to one. And so let's take this and apply it to every single part of our life. Is he truly preeminent? For many, I think Psalm 10.4 applies. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Does God have to be in all my thoughts? He ought to be reflected and influencing every thought. Yes. I'm not saying stress out over this. Oh, God wasn't that thought. Okay, I'm just saying walk with the Lord, give yourself to him, and, and, and you'll, you'll see him refining your thinking. In America, what are we up against? We're up against uh, an agenda that is changing everything. Reality itself is under attack. Why? Me is at the center. I think some Christians have bought into a lie that we can have a little bit of me, but I won't go that far. I remember talking to a young man. He was, I think, 18 years old. He had grown up in church from birth. And uh, he was one of those quiet rebels. Never caused a problem. And always where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there, doing what he was supposed to do. But I knew there was something empty. He was, he was there, but he wasn't there. And sure enough, like clockwork, when he turned 18, he was out of the house and out of church. And that quiet rebel had finally blossomed. And so I had a chance to go uh, meet with him at a McDonald's and talk to him. And <clears throat> he said, don't worry. I'm not trying to be, you know, way off the deep end. I just want to be a normal Christian. I said, what's a, well, what's a normal Christian? Tell me, what does that mean? I don't want to go all crazy with it. Got to be at every single service. You got to, you got to be handing out tracts to people. You know, you got to sing and I, I read your Bible, pray every day. Yeah, I, don't, I think you ought to just be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. You know, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible here and there. I'll, I'm still going to pray once in a while but I want to have a little more fun. I want to be able to do more stuff. I think there's a lot more to explore in the world that's not all as evil as everybody said it was. And I, I just want to be a normal Christian. I said, you're sounding pretty selfish. I didn't use this terminology, but I was, I was, I was thinking you were at the center. And I said, you know, here's the problem. You're not going to be able to stop where you think you can stop. And no, uh, he, he, continued, he continued going, on a, on a crash course to the world of uh, complete self-destruction. 
You know, our American culture has embraced me at the center. And where did that end up? Oh, don't worry. We're not going to go too far. Oh, really? Okay. We don't believe in gender anymore. Uh, we don't believe in marriage anymore. We don't believe in sexual perversion. Basically, we believe that anything is okay. We believe that drugs should be legalized, encouraged, and celebrated. We believe that abortion is moral, and to oppose abortion is immoral. We believe all kinds of crazy outlandish things, and how did we get here? We didn't want to be too crazy Christians. We just want to be normal. A little bit more me time, me at the center. What can it hurt? Folks, we were not built to revolve around ourselves. And when we put ourselves on the throne, you are set up for destruction. And you cannot stop that crash course. Like the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a hard book to read. I mean, there's some parts that are really cool. But there's other stories in the book of Judges that when I come to those chapters, I'm just going, oh, this chapter. Okay. Here we go. The sin, the degradation, the, 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 just the depths that the humanity had fallen to. Well, what was wrong with Judges? Judges 17, 6 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that phrase is repeated throughout Judges. In other words, I would say, that you could, you could say that's a theme of the book of Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And you read the book of Judges and look at the depths of sin that they went to and you will see where me at the center ends up. Boy, they had all kinds of wars, loss, servitude. They had humiliation, degradation, ignorance, suffering, sexual perversion because Christ was not in all their thoughts. He was not central. But what happens when Christ is first place? The Bible promises so much blessing. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all that increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God says, you put me first. That's how I created this to work. And when you use something the way it's supposed to be, the way, the way it was designed to work, what do you know? It works. Good things happen, right? It says, honor me with the first fruits, and it's going to be good. This is how I designed it to work. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Folks, I dare you to put God first and see how uh, he focuses your life and streamlines your life and and some of the anxieties that you have will melt away because they weren't supposed to be there in the first place. You were anxious about you and your stuff. You have made your life more complex. I'm not saying that if you put him first, you'll be a millionaire. That's not what it says. Well, I'll tell you this. You put him first, it'll be best. It will be the best imaginable situation for you and your future. Ezekiel 44 and all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all 
of every sort of your oblation shall be the priest, and ye shall give unto the priest the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house. That's just not an Old Testament verse. The principle is still the same. Put God first and there's blessing. And again, I'm not going to define for you what that blessing is. I'm not saying you'll never suffer. I'm, never say, I'm not saying you'll, that you'll never uh, have need, but I'm saying there will be blessing. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in, thine house, in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God says, I want, he says, prove me. I dare you to trust me on this. I built you for this. I built you to seek me first. And if you'll get your priorities right, it's going to be good. Prove me. I dare you to try this. And so many of us sit back like the Israelites and say, no, no. I got to take care of this. I got to do things my way. I got to make sure that it all happens the way I want it to happen. Numbers 18, all the best of the oil and the best of the wine, the wheat and the first fruits of them shall they all offer to the Lord. Uh, them have I given thee. Uh, so many, so many that I, I could go to for time. We'll, we'll skip ahead. Go back to uh, Colossians 1.18 that in all things he might have the preeminence. Let's talk about this briefly in the last couple of minutes. Uh, just a couple of things here. First of all, you see that the preeminence in the church. He, says, he talks of the body, which he equates with the church. The body, the church. This is not my church. I'm not supposed to have the preeminence here. This is not your church in that sense. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him. He's the head. And therefore, we are about exalting Christ right there. We're not about tailoring how we worship as a church to whatever the world wants, the man-centered thinking, the humanistic philosophy. There is a movement in churches of, of trying to become more seeker-sensitive. In other words, the seeker is coming in and we don't want to offend him. Did you realize a seeker might come in and we might offend that seeker by not preaching the Bible? I'll tell you this, if a seeker comes in, I hope we're preaching truth that they can hear and be transformed by, not so afraid of offending this guy. He doesn't see any difference with us and he just goes off seeking some more. We're not going to be a seeker-sensitive church. Why? Because he is the head of the body. He is the one that we're exalting. Worship is not about the worshipers. It's about who we're worshiping. Worship is not about personal self-expression. I hate how much this has crept into churches. Well, this is the way I express myself to the Lord. This is the way I worship. Have you ever read the story of Cain and Abel? That is what Cain said. And he was a marked man the rest of his life. He killed his brother. Uh, we don't do self-expression in worship. We worship biblically. We worship corporately. It's not about you. It's about him. And the beauty of corporate worship is that we blend out 
amongst the body. We blend in as we just reflect Him and lift Him up. And as there's unity in that, it makes His praises that much more uh, resounding. Folks, I'll tell you, church is not about our brand. It's about our Savior. That in all things, He might have the preeminence. It's not about what I want to say. It's about what His Word has already said and continues to say. And we've got to hear His Word. Sometimes we get weary of, of preaching and, and we get weary of the Word of God and we want someone to tell me what I want to hear. Well, the Bible talked about that. In the last days, they'll, have, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Church is a place where He is the head. Therefore, His Word is what is most important. One preacher said it this way, God's word comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Both. And there ought to be both from this pulpit. There ought to be times where you come in here hurting and the preaching of God's word comforts you. There ought to be times where you come in here bitter, out of sorts, and the preaching of God's word confronts you where you come in complacent and God's word energizes you. Church is about him. It's about serving Jesus. And I want to say this as well. He is the head of the body, the church. You don't serve me in that I want to volunteer for this to help out pastor. I want to help, uh, do this so, so pastor will, will like me or whatever. I hope, I hope when you volunteer, don't think about me. You're not serving me. You're serving the Lord Jesus. At least you should be. And if you're not serving the Lord Jesus, then let's, uh, let's change that. It has nothing to do with the pastor. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. If you serve in the bus ministry, if you serve in the music ministry, wherever you serve in this church, do it for Jesus. If I ask you to do something, you, you don't think... In terms of, well, pastor asked me to do it. No, 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 no. It's for the Lord. What part are you supplying in the church? It is his church. He is to be preeminent in the church, the body. But he is also preeminent in the sense that he is the beginning. You see that in verse 18? He's the head of the body, but he's also the beginning. He is the beginning and the end. Remember the phrase, he's the alpha and omega? In other words, he, it is all about him. Everything we do is about him. Life is not about self-expression. What did Paul say? He said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Who is our life? That's what he said. He also said, for me to live is Christ. Paul lived a life that had Christ at the center. Christ was his beginning and his end. If you read 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, and I did not put this in the, in, in the, on the screen, but you can, you can turn over there if, you, if you'd like. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. here was Paul's experience. He says, are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. 
Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. I'll tell you, that's where it's the worst, the false brethren. It just cuts your heart out. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, right? Uh, Paul, we have this problem in the church. What are we going to do? Okay, let's fix that. Let's fix this. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my affirmities. Here's my point. For Paul, Christ was his all. He was at the center. He was the beginning and the end. He was the preeminent one. And that's what got him through all of that. Last year, we dealt with abounding in hope through all the suffering. A lot of us could write our own list of suffering. Most of us probably could not write a list that would, that would uh, be anything like Paul's list, what he went through. How do you deal with that and sleep at night? Did you read what Paul wrote? How do you not have constant anxiety? How do you, wake up, how do you not wake up every morning with a lump in your stomach and agitation? Oh no, what's going to happen today? I was beaten last night. 39 stripes, save one. The week before that, I was stoned almost to death. And then there's false brethren. I can't trust anybody. Who's real and who's not? And oh, what's going on? And shipwreck and wilderness and hunger, 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 hunger. How do you not have a panic attack every day? Christ was at the center. Because I die daily me to live as Christ. It's about him. And I am following my Savior's footsteps, and it's a joy to be able to suffer with the Lord. I've had to ask myself some hard questions when I've gone through some fear, doubt, intense anxiety. How much of me is at the center? I don't like to ask that. (laughs) I don't like to be that honest with myself because it doesn't sound spiritual. You know, it comes down to a surrender of myself to him. Lord, you are my Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. I'm just here to serve you. Surrendering to him, surrendering to the process, surrendering self letting him have first place in your life in that moment. In Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. We already talked about that word firstborn, meaning the most important one. And I mentioned uh, in Psalm 89.27, he talks about David. I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. In other words, he was the preeminent one, the prominent one, the most important. 
What's most important to you? A preacher went over to visit a family that hadn't been in church for a while and the mother said, oh, come on in, preacher, sit down, sit down. Oh, so good to have you. And she gets out the tea and whatever. And then she says to little Johnny, Johnny, you'll get the book that mommy loves best. And Johnny comes back over. This is an old illustration with the Sears and Roebuck catalog. <clears throat> Very old illustration. Uh, but the, the idea there is Johnny knows. Okay, Johnny knows. We tease ourselves, or we not tease, we, 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 uh, we deceive ourselves into thinking what's, what's, what, what's, what's most important? Oh, the book that I love best is the Bible. But what is most important? In all things, he might have the preeminence. Brother John Mangeldron's dad, Wayne Mangeldron Sr., this was his life first. I had the privilege of hearing him speak on this, this verse. And he would speak on this verse with tears in his eyes. Because who can actually say in everything I've, I, God has had the preeminence in my life? We have so much flesh, so much self. But there was a man who made this his life first because he said, this is what I want. I want Christ to be primary, first place in my life. What about you? Is Christ central in our church? Is Christ central in all that we seek? Is Christ the center of all that we do? What else matters? When Christ is at the center, no sacrifice is too great. When Christ is at the center, no suffering is not worth it. When Christ is at the center, no service is too inconvenient. So what about you? How will you make Christ the center of your life this year and beyond? I think we need to put feet to our, to our, 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 our prayers and feet to our beliefs. Here in this passage, it says that he is the head of the body, the church. Will you be a part of what he's building? Will you make him first and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm not serving my pastor. I'm not serving my church. I'm serving you in the church. Will you give Jesus first place in your day? Will you give him first place in your life? Will you give him first place in your family, in your personal devotion, in your finances, in your interests, in your witness? Will you say, Lord, I want to put you first? We are losing America. We're losing and I'm going to say more about this, I think, in the next session, but we're losing so much because we have, we have succumbed to me instead of him. But I want to ask you to pray with me that God would help each of us to say, Lord, in all things, all things, I want you to have the preeminence in my life. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your faithful, uh, faithful uh, ministering to us through your word. I pray that you'd help each one of us to make the decision to seek you first and your righteousness and let all these things be added unto us. Lord, help us not to just be a busy church. Help us to be a church that is growing in our love for the Lord deepening in our walk with the Lord, that we would exalt Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not put you first, 
as Savior, I pray that you'd bring them to that place. I pray if there's any Christian here who's struggling with a specific sin or a specific area where uh, you're not getting the preeminence, I pray you'd bring them to a place of yieldedness. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's take a moment and respond to the Lord as the piano plays. Let's stand together. Just take a moment to talk to God. In the quietness of these moments, I want to invite you to seek Him first. this way it's not just one decision it's moment by moment it's day by day it's in a certain scenario realizing oh that's me that's me and yield to him and continue to yield to him and put him first we'll talk about this lord willing a lot more this year and i I hope it'll be a help to you